You're listening to the Water in Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, we're excited to have a repeat offender visitor, <laughs> a repeat water and real lifer. Uh, May Stevens is in the house. Uh, May is the chair of Signal Water, a modern public affairs firm in Washington, D.C., and the founder of Safe Water Voters, which is a bipartisan political action committee dedicated to electing water infrastructure champs to Congress. And we need more of those. So May, thank you for all the work you're doing and for coming back. Thank you for having me. I feel like we should have air horn in the background. That was such a- (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Things are happening back. This is great. And it's very timely. Yes. Incredibly timely. And because you are a repeat guest, uh, I'll be sure to to link your other interview in here if you want to know how May got into water and all of her amazing answers to our lightning round. But we have an incredibly uh, big topic to talk about today. And of course, we wanted to tackle it specifically for our folks in the water sector and as, and especially like how we're going to communicate this incredible milestone that happened. So Ariane, take it away. Okay, for anyone who has been living under a rock or maybe a farm, (laughs) they don't have TV or radio uh, or internet, give us a nutshell. Nope, don't give us a nutshell. Give us (laughs) the nutshell on this infrastructure bill and specifically, what does it mean for water? Uh, Yeah, so this is a, this is Tuesday November 16th, things that may have changed when, by the time you hear this. For sure. uh, Yesterday, President Biden signed into law the bipartisan infrastructure package. It's um, also called the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Um, It's a bipartisan bill, bipartisan both the House and the Senate uh, for the vote. Um, And it's about a trillion dollar package. The um, uh, water sector, specifically, it's $55 billion in that package. Um, It's going to effectively triple the state revolving funds for the next five years. It's going to invest $15 billion in lead service line replacement. It's going to invest $5 billion in PFAS, um, $4 billion for drinking water, and notably $1 billion on the clean water side, which is important because sometimes gets left out of the PFAS conversation, but it's an important part of it. Um, It also has $5 billion for PFAS four on the drinking water side and one on the clean water side, which is really important because the clean water side sometimes gets left out of the PFAS conversation. Mm -hmm. Overall, it's a massive investment in water infrastructure. It's really, really exciting. Yes. And uh, we've been following this for a while and it's kind of been like, is it, will it, will it, won't it? Uh, So it's been kind of just on the edge of our seats to see how this is all going to go down. But with anything out there in the, in the big blue world, uh, there's, there's some truths and there are some lies. So give us like two truths and a lie of the infrastructure bill. <laughs> so I could probably give you two truths and 17 lies. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. already? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, so, okay, here goes. Um, this bill makes the largest ever federal investment in the water sector in American history. This bill addresses the current supply chain issues that we're facing, and this bill increases the deficit. So 
which do you think is the are the truths and the lie? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the supply chain, because I want Pete Buttigieg all up in here. Hey, <laughs> do you, think, you think supply chain is the truth? Okay. I also have a crush on Pete Buttigieg, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, side note, there's a documentary about him on Netflix right now. And Amazon I was like, Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. Oh, That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Total. going to be upset with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Excellent. Okay. So supply chain issues is the truth. Okay. What's the other, which one's the other truth or which one do you think is a lie? Wait, say what, can you say the last Yes. The bill makes the largest ever federal investment in the water sector in American history. The bill uh, addresses our current supply chain issues, which you already think is the truth. And the bill is going to increase the deficit. I say the deficit is a lie. That is correct. The deficit is a lie. Yes. This bill is completely paid for. So the major ways that it's paid for, in case anybody cares, this is totally snoozy, but they're using not yet spent COVID relief funds. They're going to strengthen tax enforcement on cryptocurrencies. I'm already falling asleep just saying that phrase. And then increase economic growth, which is another really big issue, right? Um, That's something that we all want, especially after this pandemic year, we want to increase economic growth. So that's going to be part of paying for it as well. Um, And just as a little bit of a side note on the deficit, because we hear about the deficit constantly and we will continue to hear about the deficit until the end of time. So just as a quick quick primer for folks, if you're thinking about the deficit in general, it's important to think about scale specifically. So if you're concerned like, oh no, what if the water sector is taking too much money and we're contributing to the deficit? So on the one hand, you have the largest ever federal investment in in water infrastructure, $50 billion. Climate got $550 billion, so 10 times as much as what we got, uh, which is great because climate change is important. Also, climate stress is very often felt as water stress, so any investment that we're making on you know, stopping climate change or reversing climate change or adapting to climate change is helping the water sector, so like, okay. But it's also important to think about like even a broader scale than that, a trillion-dollar investment in infrastructure is massive. It's fantastic. Infrastructure needs it, Right. But compared to the defense sector, that's what the Department of Defense gets every year, just as their normal funding is a trillion dollars. So if we're going to think about the deficit and we're going to think about this, you know, historically, we should also think about it holistically instead of just looking at one part of one bill. So that's what I I, that's what I would just say about the deficit, because I think people are really concerned about about um, to just, you know, sort of think more broadly. And then the other thing that I would just say really quickly on this is that the best advice that I have ever gotten is to focus on what I can control, right? And it's not my responsibility to fix the deficit. There are hundreds, I guarantee you, there are hundreds of really brilliant people in the United States, in Washington, D.C., whose sole job is it is to figure out the deficit, not to figure out water infrastructure, just to figure out the deficit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let them do that because they're really smart and they're going to figure that out. <laughs> responsibility to get as much money for the water sector as possible, full stop. That's all, that's my only responsibility. So that's what I'm going to focus on. And I think for your listeners, I think the same thing is true, right? It's bringing, bringing it back to what do we need to know about this bill? The sole job of your listeners is to tell the story about what their utilities are doing for the people that they serve. That's it. So if you get money from this bill to replace all the lead service lines in your service area, for example, it's your job to spend the money, replace the pipes, and then make sure everybody knows that you're making their lives better. That's all your job is, right? So, and that's 
really a very big job in and of itself. That's why we have podcasts like you. That's why we have thousands of comms professionals all over the country working in the water sector, because that's a really important job. So just like stick to that. Like we're good. We don't really have to worry about the deficit. You and me, right? We as a like society, as a community, right? Need to think about the deficit that you, like the three of us cannot fix the deficit. So let's just focus on helping the water sector. That's my, that's my two cents on the deficit, but the lie anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which you took a great segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about yes. with you, because as you know, I am a huge proponent of talking about communication as a tool and not a title. Sometimes I think that uh, in our sector, we can get too hung up on the semantics and think, well, I'm not a communicator or that's, I don't, that's not in my job description, but right. all of us can, um, can level up whatever it is we do by incorporating more communication and learning those skills. And so you raised a good point that this bill and you kind of touched on it here is not only obviously a money thing, but this can be used as a tool to talk about water with elected officials, which after hearing many of them even questioning if water infrastructure was actually infrastructure worries me deeply. And so talk to me more about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. That is the exact right question to ask first is like, how do we think about communicating on this, you know, on whatever money that we get from this package, right? So like, and I also think it's like sort of the biggest mistake that I see water utilities make is like, they get the money, then they do the project and then they're like happy and then they just go about their lives and nobody knows that they did the project. Nobody knows that their lives are made any better. And that's a huge missed opportunity. So before you do anything, don't, go out into the world, don't spend the money, whatever. Like the first day, just think, what is the best possible outcome that we can, that could come out of getting a significant amount of money for this project, right? So like do the project, but also think about what, like, do you want your local elected uh, elected officials to know about the project, right? So do you want, obviously the mayor is going to know, right? But what about your county commissioners? What do you, what about the governor? What about your senators and representatives? They are going to want to know that you're doing this project for their constituents. Um, And maybe you could get them involved in like the rollout of the project, right? Because then they can claim some credit for the project, which is great because politicians love claiming credit for things. And frankly, they help. So great, right? It's a good way to say thank you. It's a good way to build those relationships. The other thing is that you you want to also think about the people that these people care about, right? So is there a specific group or two that the mayor is really trying to win over? Is there a way that you can help that, you know, help the mayor make that bridge, right? Or foster that relationship? Do you want to use it as a way of building relationships with community organizations? Ones that you work with all the time, ones that you don't work with all the time, maybe ones that complain a little bit too much, a little bit too loudly about what you're doing and don't actually see the, like, the good of what you're doing. That those are folks that you could you you know you could use this funding to foster a relationship with um, people who don't even see the connection um, to what you're doing at all um, to what they do between what they do and what you're doing. So if they're like working on you know poverty issues or climate change or housing or economic development, like those are all related to the water sector. So you can loop them in as well. And I know we're going to talk about you know hopefully we're going to talk about these outside stakeholders as well. Mm-hmm. But I just want people to start getting, thinking creatively about it. Um, If you're doing a green infrastructure project, think about getting a parks and rec department involved. If you're going to dig up a street, can you get the local Department of Transportation to 
you know, time their construction projects with your construction projects, right? Think about it in as, from as many different standpoints as possible of like all of the different people that might be excited about this. You should do all of that first. You should lay out what a best possible scenario is first before you go charging out to replace all the pipes or whatever. So yeah. that's, that's what I would say. And, and do your homework, y'all. Like this is, uh, you are kind of on the national radar right now. So if you are ever thinking of a time to reach out and to build that connection or start with that relationship, like this is the time to do it because you, you have to explain a little less than in the intro to the conversation. And so if you are a utility and, you know, a lot of major utilities have government external affairs folks, but some of the smaller mid-sized ones don't. So yes. if you are a utility, like use this as an opportunity to reach out to your, your local elected officials and say either, Hey, we know this is coming and we want to get you involved. All of the things that may just said, um, but ways you can do your homework are, I mean, if you're in a small to mid-sized utility, you kind of already have a sense of what matters to your, like your mayor or your, you know, your council and things like that. But uh, you know, do some, I don't know, like maybe you can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm thinking about like when you're thinking of maybe reaching out to some higher level folks, like all of these people have AIDS, like how yeah. is it possible to just ring them up and say, yes. Hey, um, we're working on this, but I really want to know what governor blah, blah, blah is passionate about, because I think that we can, that we have some alignment there and then they yes. can kind of give you those talking points. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, that is exactly the right way to think about it, right? So they all have AIDS, they all have local offices, so you don't, I mean, it's, you know, we all have cell phones now, so it's free to call long distance, like, (laughs) don't actually have to call the DC office, you can call their local office, like, in your state, in your region, maybe even in your town, right, that they have an office there, and you can call them and just, you know, tell them, hey, we got this federal funding, we're really excited about it. We'd love, you know, we'd love to invite you out to the ribbon cutting. We also want to know about what your, what the things that you're interested in, because like water infrastructure has to do with literally every single thing. So yeah, I mean, that's, that is a perfect way to start that relationship. And if you are in a WEF member association, or if you're a section of AWWA and um, so if you are a utility, it doesn't feel comfortable kind of going up the chain like that or starting those conversations, but you're in a WFMA or you're in an AWWA section, governmental affairs, like this all applies to you too. And now you have this kind of established in or talking point that you can use by contacting and reaching out. It's not, it's not a cold call anymore. It's a hot call. <laughs> or yeah. <whatever> you call. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And if you're calling your members of Congress, they're the ones that gave you the money. So yeah. it's- it's not a cold call at all. You're calling to thank them for the money that you're getting, yeah. right? Very easy. And a lot, you know, if we're talking about, you know, tripling the estate revolving funds, that money goes from the federal government to the governor, right? To the state. And then they give out the money through their, you know, financing authority or whenever, you know, each state does it differently. But that, so then when you're calling the governor, they're also responsible for giving you the money, right? It's so like yeah. everybody is excited about this news that you're going to be able to do this project in your community. The problem is- I'm going to talk about it. Oops. Yeah. No, I was going to, it cut out for a second for me. So I thought you were Oops. done. But the problem I feel like is is potentially there is like these smaller, really small rural communities who don't really already, they don't have anybody established right. to like make those calls. Um, and they don't know what they don't know. 
And I'm like fearful that like, I feel like I need to go door to door to each of my small communities and be like, Hey, this is what this means for you. You need to go grab that money in your community. Because I feel like a lot of them are still going to be like, we didn't know about this because they don't even know before the bill, before this infrastructure bill. I know there's mayors and water nerds out there in these small communities who didn't even know how to reach out to their state like that. So I'm like, Right. Before the big money <laughs> comes, I'm like, oh, how do we let all yeah. these small town, you know, water folk know what to do, where to go? Yeah. Yeah. Or even to get the money in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. Skipped over getting the money to you've gotten the money. Now what to do with it? Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How do we give this to the people who need it the most? Not the big exactly. cities who... Yeah, have the ability to do that, you know. Yeah, exactly. So the rural utility is like, and all of the trade associations, whether they're a big utility or a small utility, if you're part of a trade association, they're going to be giving you all of the information that you need to get these resources. Mm -hmm. But if you're not a member of those trade associations, then you're taking it upon yourself to get this stuff done, right? And so would encourage you to maybe become a member of these trade associations. Yeah. you. But if you can't, for whatever reason, totally get it, then just checking out, if you go to the, if you, I mean, literally, if you just Google like EPA water infrastructure grants or like EPA water infrastructure funding, there's a ton of information on the EPA's website. Also for rural utilities, USDA has their own grant program as well. Um, And so there's a ton of information online about how to apply for this funding. Um, And unfortunately, it's really time intensive, which is not great for the rural communities that need the money, but it's like just how it has to be because we have to make sure that we're, you know, we're giving money to people who need it. We're tracking the money to make sure it's not, you know, going to like fraud yeah. or like we really, we have to have these, you know, sort of systems in place, but it, everything should be on um, federal, the federal websites, either USDA, EPA. Um, I know DOI has some programs as well. If you're out in the West and you're in a Bureau of Rec area, that's another, another, um, resource for you as well. Uh, but yeah, you're going to have to do a lot of the legwork yourself or your trade associations can help you. Um, yeah, we'll try and put stuff on my LinkedIn page. So that's another source for you. It's just sort of hard to catch that. You kind of have to look at my page every day, which is, you know, (laughs) that seems very informative. (laughs) No, I'm glad you (laughs) spelled that out. And spelled it out so specifically like that because I know there's a lot of people who just get stuck in the like I don't even have time this is overwhelming I don't even know where to begin and it's literally google what you said rewind and google whatever she said (laughs) yeah I mean and also this is this is like a good this is like a good uh another communication is a tool thing like I'm sorry that yeah that's not your title you're not a professional but communication is also just like a behavior. And yeah. so like, I have gotten so many emails already just from like the national rural water association and the Texas rural water association. And so like, if you've never joined those things before, because you haven't seen the value, like this is the number. I mean, this is a good example of why it is valuable because you do stay, these are people whose whole job it is to make sure that you know, what's going on in these things. So like, um, take advantage of those kinds of resources that are there for you to make. So you don't have to worry about staying in the know of all those things and just have somebody that can tell you what you need to know. Um, yeah. But yeah, being a two-way street of 
communicating your needs and then being open to those communications as well. Like, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing is, so one, becoming a member of these trade associations can pay for itself this year because of all the funding that's going out. So you shouldn't have a problem with that if you think about it in a cost benefit way. Yeah. Other thing is that, you know, making friends, making relationships with the folks in their, your um, senator's office, your governor's office, your members of Congress office, they regularly send out information about like notice of funding availabilities or NOFAs from the federal government and from the state government. So as long as you're, you know, sort of on their email list, they will send you stuff that you need to know because they really want you to apply for it, right? Their interest that you actually apply that this money gets spent on good stuff, Mm -hmm. the communities that they represent, right? So they want you to know about that. And if you have questions about how to apply, you can also use those resources as well, Um, right? You can call your member of Congress or your senator and they have staffers that can help you through the process. They're not going to do the um, application for you, but they can at least like help guide you in the right direction. Yeah, sure. Perfect. Are there any external stakeholders outside of elected officials that our sector needs to get in, get on the radar? Yes, absolutely. So what we were talking about before, like community groups that maybe love you or don't love you so much uh, that are loud, right? Get them involved in whatever the project is. Um, And, you know, folks internal to the um, city or county government, right? That's all internal stakeholders. But when you're thinking about this best possible scenario, you, it's very obvious then to see who's going to be affected by it, right? Depending on the project. So you basically want everybody who's positively or negatively affected by the project sort of looped in on this and really brought to the table. But I want to encourage everyone to think a little bit more broadly than that even, because I think that that's even the very best communicators, that's sort of where they stop, right? It's like, it's obvious that if we're doing Um, you know, repair to our combined sewer overflow that we're going to reach out to the local environmental organization. But that's not the only group that cares about this issue, right? So if you're thinking about like a drinking water project, for example, um, look at your customers that use the most water, right? Those are your biggest customers. And they're also the ones that are most dependent on your product, right? So reach out to them, invite them to participate in whatever ribbon cutting press conference, whatever you're going to have. It's also amazing, you know, think about, I'm just like thinking about like the businesses that are close to me in my home, um, like an amazing local bakery, right? Especially if they make bagels. Everybody knows that bagels, the quality of the bagel is tied directly to the quality of the water that the bagel is in, right? So that is really important as well. And like literally every business in your town is like would not be there without a reliable water utility. So invite them to participate and then like make sure that they see the connection between what they do all day and what you do all day. That would be fantastic. And it's really reaching out to like outside stakeholders that you wouldn't normally, you know, get, right? Thinking about, if you're thinking about like wastewater or stormwater, like same thing, think about like the local crew team or the kayak club, if you have like a, you know, if you have one of those around, but think about like the crazy people organizing the polar bear swim for charity every year, right? Like those people probably never think about water infrastructure. They only think about how really cold the lake is, but that's really important for them, right? Yeah. Um, any restaurants with outdoor seating on the river, right? Like we mm. have DC, but like pretty much every community, if you have a river and you have businesses along it, they look out at the beautiful river. 
they care about water infrastructure. They just might not even know it yet. Or the run club that runs along the path along the river. Like I'm just making all this stuff up. But like the point is like, you just want to think about people that are outside of your normal, of the normal folks that you talk to all the time. Yes. This is, there's so many connective points, connection points and touch points. You're like, making me want to be back in that city life so I can be planning this event that's going to happen around there and be uh, a connection point for the community to the services that you that you provide. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember as a sector is like, you don't want to just tell people about the value that you bring the community. Just I treat your drinking water like it has to be connected to something that people already know, love and care about because it's yes. just so in the background of their thought, they don't even think about this. But, you know, everything you're saying is just really, this is such a great opportunity to, to really convey that presence as a subject matter expert in this area. I know that that's a point, a pain point that we hear from, again, a lot of the MAs and the, and the sections is just feeling like the public and elected officials are going towards these other groups or activists yeah. to get their information from and don't see them as part of, this group of subject matter experts. And it's because they don't understand who you are and what you do. They see you as a government entity. And if they have any reason whatsoever to ever have never trusted government, you get looped in, you get lumped in there and it's not fair, but it is what it is. And so having these kinds of experiences for them to where they get to see it for real of the value that you bring is so important. And that's where you really do get to, to, talk your case to prove your case of being that subject matter expert. And I love that all of the things that you're suggesting are going where people already are. I think we really need to stop trying to figure out how to get people to come to us and we need to go to where people are and we need to be working with the people that are running the things that they're going to go see and making those connections because having those connections with local businesses is so incredibly important too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so as you can see, incredibly uh, passionate about bringing in those outside those outside stakeholders. But I think one area too that we forget about are the folks that are doing the work and the folks that are going to be taking the call. So all of those internal stakeholders. Um, how do we how do we keep everyone in the loop and? Um, what are some of the impacts to those internal operations for utilities? Like what's the message for the folks inside? Um, I think that's, I think that's an excellent question. I don't do a lot of that work, but it is a really important, uh, it is a really important point, right? Is that you want to keep everybody sort of on the same page as to like, what is happening, what you got, what it means. Right. And so I imagine that, if you got a huge uh, grant, say, from the federal government to, say, replace all the lead service lines in your service area, um, it's also going to be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of, like, overtime. It's going to be a lot of, like, headache for people. But it's important to, re- like, connect people back to the mission mm-hmm. right? because then they understand why they're doing all of this. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think, you know, I've always loved it when, you know, my, you know, bosses have been like, yeah, I know this is really hard, but there's a reason why we're doing this. And the reason is bigger than any one of us, right? Um, so if you're replacing all the lead service lines in your city, yeah, that's going to be really difficult. Um, and asking them to be, uh, like, to go above and beyond by reaching out to all these stakeholders, elected 
officials, people who don't even know anything about water infrastructure and trying to talk to them about why this is important. Yeah, that's going to be really hard. But like the reason why we're doing it is because we don't want lead service lines in our like in our utility anymore. And that's actually going to be better for every single person in the city, right? Or in the, you know, in your service area. And so that's really important to stay focused on that big picture. Um, And if the people, you know, if people are like, oh yeah, but now I got to call these members of Congress and they're annoying and they're busy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like the reason why you're doing that is because you want more grant funding in the future, right? Like you want, you, it's not going to cover all of the things that you want to do for your utility. So maintaining those relationships or even starting those relationships are going to pay dividends down the end. You got to just think about like, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. My mind was going to, when, when she asked that question was like, everyone is everyone, but your employees are sitting there watching the news too. And they're mm-hmm. seeing that there's this huge, you know, infrastructure bill out there. And if your utility isn't going after that money, right. what did that, what does that, how does that make the, your employees feel like right. they're not worth the the effort or they're not worth, you know, and so, the, but then you're cutting budgets, you know? So then there's like conflicting messaging going on there. So it is really important to bring them in and have those conversations about this is what the infrastructure bill is. This is how we're going to take a slice of that pie or, or not. Um, but this is how we're going to handle it from there. So yeah, that's really important. Even if the answer is that you don't qualify. I mean, I don't know, that could sometimes be the case or, or you don't have a specific, specific project under that, or I don't know, like utility is gold and perfect and up to date and all, there's nothing left to improve. Well, I'm thinking about communicate that I'm thinking about an example of like a really big utility that I spoke with recently who, um, they already, they already got the funding to replace all of the lead lines in their service area. So they don't, You know, so like communicate, if you can't get funding for something, then say, Hey, this funding is for this, but we don't qualify for that because of, we did that, you know, like this is still a talking point. Do your, do those employees even know that you did that already? Right. That's a super big utility. So I (laughs) probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Like let, letting them know we've done that, you know, all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's this is not this is not unique to utilities, right? How many organizations have we been a part of, either you know, in our volunteer capacity, in previous jobs, where you're like, I literally have no idea what the wins are for the people that are just down the hall. Like I have no idea what they do all day, and they're celebrating something, but I have no idea what it is, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like you need to communicate wins to people so that they feel bought in, right? Yeah. Is winning something that's good for you too, right? You need you need to show people that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. But the good news is, is that with this money, that uh, almost everybody qualifies for the state revolving fund, and that sort of money that can go towards anything. Yeah. Um, and if it's not state revolving fund, there's also money in there for the USDA grant program for the rural utilities as well. Mm. Basically, everybody qualifies for something in this bill, so like that's good. But yeah. you are utility where everything's fine. You're, uh, you know, co- true costing water everybody is paying their bill on time and in full. You don't have any uh, maintenance projects that are le- like, call me. I want to hear yeah. this. <laughs> I want to know how this happened. This is amazing, right? Yeah, uh, definitely was not implying that they had no problems because they yes. have severe <laughs> revenue because of COVID problem. But uh, right. 
but yeah, so, but all to say, like, use it as a tool to communicate, um, to tell your story. And if you are doing a major project, I know we keep using the lead service lines as an example, but hey, that's a good one since there's so much press out there about it. You know, tell that story, think about it, think mm-hmm. about it from before the the dirt starts moving of how you're going to document the story so that you have the threads to tell the to tell it later if you're not telling it in real time. And of course, communicate with your community about what's happening. <laughs> Yeah. Well, great segue into that last, last but not least question. Um, what needs to be communicated to the public? And, you know, we hate that term general public, but, you know, what's the key segment of the public that needs to be engaged and, and what's the message? Yeah, exactly. So yes, the public as if it's sort of a monolith that's, yeah. Um, but so, I mean, to me, I think that the most significant segment of the public that needs to be engaged are your customers, right? Um, what you're doing directly affects them. So they're the ones that are paying the bills and they're the ones that are going to benefit financially if you get a grant to do this project instead of, you know, raising rates, right? So the, your customers are going to be the ones that are, you know, most directly impacted by this. Um, and they're also going to be the ones that have the cleaner river or, you know, the, the cleaner water or whatever it is. Right. Um, the things that I think about in terms of like communicating with your customers is that you can think about all of the ways that you communicate with your customers. Right. But you can also think about all the ways that other people communicate with your customers. Mm-hmm. Like, I get mass emails from the DC mayor all the time. And I open every one of those emails because I want to know what's going on in my city, right? Maybe if we weren't in a pandemic, I would be opening the emails as much. But like, I definitely am now. So get your project into your mayor's email newsletter. Um, my local online news outlets are the best places for me to get information about my community. I um, am very lucky because the Washington Post is my local newspaper, but it, so it's fantastic journalism. It doesn't have like a, like the very best like local coverage in terms of like the stuff that I you know am looking for, right? And so that's why I have to go to you know like DCS or Popville. Like these are outside of DC, nobody knows what these are, but they're just like little websites that are community driven that sort of talk about, you know, openings and festivals and whatever's going on, right? Like on the local level. Um, I also get my local news from the our local NPR station. They're really fantastic. Um, and they also have like a separate website as well that's really good. Those people are all communicating with the customers of DC Water, right? And so you can mirror that in your own community as well. And so I would think about all of the people, like where do people actually get their local news? That's where you want to go. Yeah. And I think you said this somewhere in the beginning or the middle, but when we talk about our customers too, like to narrow that down even further, because I think you were talking about the specific communities or areas or neighborhoods that are going to be having specific projects and work done, especially if these are if these are communities that may have historically felt ignored by the utility, or maybe there's some um, some rough edges around that relationship. Like this is a great time to be able to use that as a tool to reach out to them specifically and to know what's going to be happening and again the value that that brings. So just always like digging, 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 narrowing down who it is you're telling these specific messages to, because, um, what you tell and how you tell a community member in this neighborhood 
is going to be extremely different than how you would communicate that same project to the mayor or another elected yes. official. You know, it's like so important to know who your audience is and most importantly, what message it is that they're going to care about the most. Um, Cause you need to make that alignment. So they know why they should care about yours. Topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The very first people that you should talk to about this are the people who are directly affected. So if you're digging up someone's lead service line, like don't do all of the other stuff before you tell them we're <laughs> up your lawn, right? Like that's, you have to tell them first, right? And that's, that's, that was, I don't even consider them general public. I consider them yeah. are actually like physically affected by the issue. But yeah, that's, that's the very first group because you can think about it in terms of like, what if you didn't do that, right? Yeah. And you just started digging up somebody's lawn. Now they're calling the mayor and they're calling the water department. And they're calling your boss and they're screaming, right? Because they're like, what is happening? And now they're angry with you for replacing their lead service line. But they should be super excited that they're getting this done, right? Like, this is the thing that needs to get done. It's getting done. They should be excited. And now you've completely wasted that goodwill, right? And you've turned this into a thing where people are angry. Yeah. That's the opposite of what you want. And that's... That's the magic of communication, right? If you think about it in advance and you figure out how you're going to do it and you make a plan ahead of time, you can avoid all of that and make sure that people are actually really excited about the project. Mm -hmm. And don't brainstorm this from your office. I love that Kelly Deering Smith, who is a director of communication at Louisville Water, uh, get up and take the other folks that are going to be involved in the project, your, your engineers, your project managers, all those folks, your contractor, even if you know it that far, Get them up out of their desk and go to the actual site because you will see things there that you never would have noticed from your desk. You will mm -hmm. see potential stakeholders that you may never have thought of. You'll you'll just see things and that'll help you build out that list of folks to, to get around the table as well. Absolutely. Uh, so because we already got, the, got you on the lightning round and uh, yes. your biggest call to action, which I think yes. at the time was vote which I'm sure is still, you've got a while. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, because I know that you are our, you are our DC correspondent for water. <laughs> yeah. Love it. You've got your finger on the pulse, uh, in, in DC as you would. Is there anything outside of the infrastructure bill that folks in the water squad should have on their radar as well? Yes, the next big bill. We are currently negotiating the next big infrastructure package. Um, the next bill is not, it's not super closely tied to infrastructure. It's more about social spending, which we can talk talk about if we want. But um, there is a ton of money um, in there for water infrastructure. So more for PFAS, more for lead, like we talked about, grants specifically for small and disadvantaged communities, which has come up a lot in this conversation. On and on. There's a whole bunch of grant programs that are getting funded in this next bill. The one thing that is new in this bill that I really want to highlight, and this is the first ever nationwide low-income assistance program. Yeah. So specifically for the water sectors, we have never had one of these before at all. And lots and lots of utilities are facing people, especially during COVID, but this has been a problem well before COVID, of people who cannot pay their water bills. Mm. Um, so I want your listeners to just like take a deep breath and think about what would happen if you could charge the true cost of water and that everybody paid their bills on time and in full, right? If all of that were to take place, what projects would you do? What debt would you pay off? 
What projects that you aren't even thinking about because you don't have any way of paying for them. Now those are a possibility. Mm. All of those things are a possibility if we have a low-income assistance program. That's what we're talking. Like that's what it is at stake right now. So there were surveys that were done at the beginning of 2020 that estimated the unmet need um, for low-income assistance is about $8 billion per year. Now, obviously, this number goes up and down based on the economy, right? So it's not always like the economy was kind of crashing at the beginning of 2020. It's not always going to be that case. But $8 billion in grant funding per year to water utilities across the United States. Um, the, like, I just want to like think about that for a second because the, we are super excited because we're getting about $3 billion in loans from the state revolving into each of the state revolving funds every year. And we should be really excited about that. It's a huge, it's a massive investment in water infrastructure, but these would be grants instead of loans. And there'd be no strings attached to them once you forgive the people's debts, right? Like you write off, you know, you know, Sally could only pay $20 of the hundred dollars this month. So we're going to use this $80 for somewhere else right off her debt. And now we get to do whatever we want with that $80, right? We can put it towards any project that you want. And it's completely up to the community as to what to spend that money on. So if Congress is like able to do that and like to actually create this program and to fund it, right? It, if we funded it at the actual need level, which is going to be kind of hard in the beginning, but we, I, I am sure that we can get up to the actual need level in the years to come. But if we can create that program, we can fund it. It would be the single largest federal program investing in water infrastructure. And it would be completely up to the local community as to what to do with that funding. So like that's pretty darn exciting. And that's what's in the next bill that we're negotiating right now. So you definitely should stay tuned uh, because, you know, more information to come for sure. <laughs> right. I have a million questions, but that is, uh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to muddy up the waters of that call to action. So is there like a specific thing that they can search for Google to like kind of stay up to date on that bill? Yeah. So, um, I am working with NACWA and AMWA on this along with a bunch of other, um, organizations, U.S. Water Alliance, Rural Community Assistance Partnership are all like very supportive of this. But NACWA and AMWA have created a website, um, affordableh2o.org. And you can stay up to date on all of that, um, on all of the developments. You can get um, samples of like press releases, letters to your members of Congress, um, social media posts. It's all very easy to use. And you can just, if you want to help out with it, then like go to the website. There's a lot of stuff there that you can do to help out with the, with the project. So it's great. That is awesome. So with anything, if you want to see change, you got to get involved and do it. So if you are one of those people who's had bubble guts about getting more involved, this is consider this the sign that you need to get more involved. And if you are somebody that is involved, bring a friend get them involved too. Uh, and you know, like that's, it's going to take all of us being the voice of this sector to make any change, to get people to notice, uh, not to notice, but just to bump us up that priority list. Cause since we are so foundational to everyday life. So always, always, always a joy to have you may, you always you. get us <laughs> fired up about getting engaged and involved. I love it. I um, think you're the only person that I am like, I am pumped, you know, like <laughs> now I'm in it. Like other, otherwise I'm like, Oh golly. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Thank good. You. If I, if I pump you up, then that's like, 
that is yeah. that was you're getting me excited about government. Yeah, which is surprising, <laughs> right? It's not it's not often. Yeah. So good, good. Yeah. The Lynn Manuel Miranda's understudy over here, getting people uh, pumped up about government again. So, so appreciate you taking the time to to give us this knowledge and so hyper-focused on how this can be used as a tool and how this can create a dialogue with our communities between those of us providing and well, those of you all um, cleaning and providing safe uh, drinking water and clean water services. So thank you again. And I know, again, this isn't going to be the last you're going to update us on, on, on good news in the future. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are so grateful for each and every one of you, all the members of our listening community. The Water in Real Life podcast is a Rogue Water Lab original. It's hosted by the H2 duo. That's us, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. It's produced by Rogue Water Lab, 12 Midnight and Matt Black Sound. Sound design and music by Andre Black and Matt McNeil of Matt Black Sound. For more Water in Real Life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.